Well, next week is actually our last um, uh, sermon in our series that we're in now, Living by Faith uh, When Our World is Falling Apart, a sermon series in Habakkuk. And last week, was, and so that's what we're talking about, right? How do we do that? How do we live by faith even when the world is messed up, even when the world seems to be falling apart? And last week, we looked at prayer and the importance of, of that. But today, we're going to talk about the, the, the power of remembering and the importance of remembering how God has worked in his people in the past, and that can give us faith and strength and encouragement to follow God in the present and in an uncertain future. And we do that by remembering, by looking at what God has done. And one event that the biblical writers often go back to is the exodus from Egypt, all right? That many of the biblical writers, they, they, they refer to that time where God came and rescued his people. He delivered his people who were in bondage, who were in slavery in Egypt, the most, one of the most powerful empires at that time, and he led them to the promised land. And so many of the biblical writers remember that episode as a way to spur on their faith in the moment. And so it's, and it's no surprise, it's no surprise that when the Israelites were facing other mighty kingdoms, other difficult times, that they would remember how God delivered them from Egypt. And again, we see that all over the Bible. Um, we see that in Psalms, but we also see it in Habakkuk chapter 3, or the particular verses we're looking at today. Now, as we uh, talked about last week, and I'll just review for those who, this might be your first time here, is that all of chapter 3 is Habakkuk's final prayer. It's, it's a, actually a psalm to God that expresses trust in God, and, and Habakkuk has arrived at that place of trust and faith in God through much um, difficulty. He's been praying to God. He's been confused. He's, he's seen the pain and the injustice and the, the, the suffering in his world. He's cried out to God in the first two chapters of Habakkuk. There, he's wrestling with God. Uh, but then in chapter 3, he expresses this psalm of praise, but he's gotten to that place where he's able to praise through that struggle. And he looks at God's action. Our section today, chapter 3, verses 3 through 15, Habakkuk looks at God's actions in the past to help him and spur on the Israelites to live in faith in the present difficulties. And again, just remember those difficulties is that Habakkuk, he was praying to God because he saw the injustice around him. He saw the violence, and actually it was among his own people. So he prayed out to God, God, do something about this injustice among my people. And God answers his prayer and says, I'm going to do something. I'm actually going to remove all of those unjust Israelite kings, and I'm going to do it through the Babylonians. And Habakkuk, he's like, what? Wait, that's worse. God, that's even worse. The Babylonians are even worse. They're godless. They're violent. And so it continues. The first two chapters of, of, of Habakkuk, remember, he's struggling with this idea. 
And then God reveals to Habakkuk that, yes, the Babylonians, they will be judged. They will stand before me, even though you don't understand it, even if you might not like my plan, that they will be judged, and my plan is moving forward, and I'm not going to forsake my people. The people of God are going to continue, but the Babylonians, they're going to find their end. It might take a while, but that is going to happen. And so, Habakkuk, you can have faith in the present. You can follow. The just shall live by faith. You can follow me in the present knowing that I got this, knowing that I'm still in charge, knowing that my plan is making progress even though you can't see it. And so Habakkuk, after struggling with God in this, he comes to that place of acknowledging what God has done. And that's what chapter 3 is all about that he's come to this place of peace, this place of faith, despite the circumstances. Even though his world still seems to be falling apart, in this psalm, he expresses a praise and a trust in God. And we all, I think we all want to get to that place. We all desire to get to that place where even when our world is falling apart, and we see it on the news. We, we see, for, especially for the Ukrainian people, their world is literally, it's falling apart. Buildings are falling down. And so it's these times where we especially need that place of faith and conviction in God and what he's doing. And, and Habakkuk, he's done that. So we look to Habakkuk for, you know, what are you doing? Last week we talked about the importance of prayer. But today, a part of that process is to remember Right? Remember what God has done. And in chapter 3, that's what Habakkuk does. In chapter 3, starting at verse 3, we see um, Habakkuk, he does a, a, he remembers what God did. He specifically remembers how God responded to the prayers of his people when they were enslaved in Egypt. And God came to their rescue. And remember, that happened centuries before. Because Habakkuk was written around, you know, 590 B.C. or so. And, and the whole Exodus thing, that was, that was hundreds and hundreds of years before this. But yet, Habakkuk is thinking about this and remembering it. And as I read this psalm, so there's lots of poetic imagery, right? And one of the reasons, and it's great to have, uh, you know, Dr. Ansel here, is that, it, you know, as she tells Pilgrim's Progress and shows artwork and all of this, that, the, the Bible is full of poetry. It's full of, of ways that engage our mind that's not just, you know, cause and effect, not just linear thinking. There's images, there's poetry there that speak to our hearts in different ways. Now, for some of you who are real analytic thinkers, and I tend to be that way, it's like, okay, you know, but then there's others that the, the poetry really speaks, and, and, and the art really speaks to our hearts. And this is a psalm. This is poetry. And so sometimes it's hard to follow, but just let yourself listen to the cosmic imagery that Habakkuk uses to talk about what God, is, what God has done. So Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 3. God came from Taman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Salah. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Kushan in affliction. 
the curtains of the land of Midian, of Midian did tremble. I want to stop right there. So it helps here to know some biblical geography because Habakkuk mentions some, some places. And if you hit me with a map, hit me with that map. The map. Do we have the map? There's the map. All right. So it helps to know. So, again, many times in, in the Bible it talks about, um, you know, the people of, of, of Israel coming up out of the land of Egypt. And God brings them up to the promised land, to Jerusalem and all that area. But Habakkuk does something very unique. He, in, in, in his depiction, he's actually thinking of the time that as Israel prays, God, he's, he's on the move. He hears their prayers, and he's coming down to uh, Egypt to free his people because it starts with Taman, right? The, in the verse 1, the Taman shakes, right? Talks about Mount Paran and Midian. And so the, the motion goes up from the promised land down to Egypt, which is unique. So what here, what Habakkuk is, is very poetically saying and he's describing is God responding to his people. That God, the mighty warrior, is coming down to save his people. And that even the, the plagues, right? The plagues come in his midst. He's bringing those plagues because he's going to put those on the Egyptians. And that's, he's going to um, bring his people out into freedom. And the earth shakes. All of that. God is on the move to deliver his people like a warrior. All right, let's continue. Verse 8. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from the bow, calling for many arrows, Salah. You split the earth with rivers, the mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked laying him bare from thigh to neck, Salah. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors. You came like a whirlwind to scatter me. Who, uh, who excuse me, you pierced with his own arrows the head of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. So like in the previous verses, we see all the powerful forces of creation scattering before God's might. So the sun and the moon, they stand still. The mountains, the rivers, the seas, they, they just flee before God, the mighty warrior. And that's, and that's important because think of ancient, ancient armies. If they came up to a river, to a sea, to a mountain, they couldn't do much, right? They're like, oh, that's a huge obstacle, but here, as God is going to deliver his people, the mountains, they just flee. They writhe in, in fear. The, the oceans, they, they split. And that's also, I think, a reference to the, to the Red Sea. When God comes, his presence, it just splits the seas. And we sang about that too. It also talks about the nations and the wicked being utterly ruined at God's arrival. 
And the chief nation that's being ruined is Egypt, right? The strongest empire at the time of Moses, they, uh, he, who enslaved Israel, who oppressed Israel, and now God is, is just, they're nothing. That, that mighty nation is nothing before God. And so, of course, remembering God's work in the exodus against Egypt, that would encourage Habakkuk and the faithful in the present as they face the Babylonian empire. The Babylonian empire also is nothing compared to God. Now, just a quick note, even if you didn't catch those Egyptian sort of references and Taman and all that stuff, even just observing that poetic imagery of God, of God's power, that would remind you that God is the creator. And so whether we look into God's uh, work in the past, whether it's creation or whether what he's done in Egypt, we remembering God's work throughout history reminds us of who God is. And that gives us a firm anchor more than our circumstances. Because if we just look for our circumstances to anchor us, to be our foundation, well, then our circumstances change. But if we look to God and his eternal work, then that is the foundation that allows us to live in faith even when the world around us is writhing and falling apart. But both creation and exodus are past works of God that can help us in the present and future. And so God has taken down mighty empires before. He's delivered his people through impossible circumstances. And so we can live by faith in that God. Habakkuk can live by faith in that God, even when he doesn't understand, even when things don't make sense. And so the application for us today is that the story of God's people, that's your story, that's my story, if you've made this God your God, right? Faith is embracing it all on. The, the history of God's people among, it, it becomes our history. What God did for them, that's what God's done for his people. And if we're a part of the people of God, that's our history as well. His mighty works of creation, his His defeating the Egyptians in, at the Exodus. Even now, how he told Habakkuk way back then that, that the Babylonians will, will they'll be defeated. It'll take a while, but there'll be no more. That's your God, if you trusted in him. That same God, and we just sang that song, the same God who, who works these things. That's our God. That's the God that we trust in. Amen. And so although, and, and this is important, because although the world changes... God does not, right? So that same God who worked the power, who uh, delivered the Israelites from Egypt, that same God is our God that we trust in. And so when, when God is, is doing something and we don't quite understand it, we can look to this history. And Habakkuk, that's what he did. He trusted God because he knew, wait, God's, I, I mean, I don't understand what's going on, but God has defeated other empires before. God has done things in miraculous ways when things seemed impossible. And so that same process that Habakkuk went through, it can be alive in us 
as well. That, that remembering and trusting in what God has done in the past will help us live in the present and in an uncertain future. So how do we do that? Very, very quickly, how do we do that? How do we remember you know, and, and more than just remember, how do we embrace? Well, I think the first thing is that we embrace this God. We embrace this God. Take ownership of this story. Devote yourself to this God. Make a commitment to this God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of Jesus Christ and the apostles. Embrace this God. And, and I say that because some here, some watching online, you know, you keep God at an arm's length. You, you understand that God exists, but when it comes to embracing him as the center of your being, of his story being your story, embracing all of his work, the work of Christ on the cross, you keep that at an arm's length because you know this God is so high and above and so mighty that it's going to require you giving your life. It's going to require that you take it all. You can't take God in half measure. So you're holding God at a distance. No, trust in this God and his work. If you do that, it opens up a whole history for you so that it's not just about what you know, God does in your life. You say, no, I see what God has done and throughout the history, throughout our world, and that's my history. That same God who rose Jesus from the grave, that same God who delivered the uh, Israelites out of Egypt, that's my God. That's who I trust in, and that's who I've embraced. Amen? Now, one of the ways we mark here... Uh, we're, we're a Baptist church. What does that mean? It means when we, one of the ways we mark entrance into God's family, into God's people, is baptism. Uh, baptism is uniting ourselves with Christ and his people. Being baptized is saying, Jesus' story, that's my story. I've embraced it. And as the waters embrace me in baptism, it symbolizes that I've embraced Christ. As I go under the water, I've died to my old self. I've been raised in newness of life, and I've become a child of God. That's what baptism pictures. In fact, that's why in Romans 6, 4, and 5, one of the things I say when I baptize people is, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. Yep, there it is. Um, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. In baptism, we're saying his story, Jesus' story, that's my story. Just as he died and rose from the dead, he did that for me. And then we also embrace then his people. We're baptized into God's people in the family of God. And then... Those of us who have been baptized, we take the Lord's Supper at least once a month. Why? Because it remembers Christ's sacrifice. We're remembering that, no, I, that Jesus, he died for me. And so we remember, and remember when we do the cup and, and, and take the bread, we say, you know, Christ said, do this in remembrance of me. The power of remembrance. So, number one, that, yeah, if you haven't embraced this God, Embrace him. And, and all that history, that becomes your history. So some of you, when we talk about what God did in Exodus, you're like, yeah, that was neat back then. Well, no, that's your God. Embrace him. Embrace him. 
Number two, you can't remember what you never knew, right? So devote yourself to God's story, to the Word. Because Habakkuk, he knew the Word. He knew God's Word. He knew God's story. So he was able to look back and say, yeah, what God did in Egypt, that's, that's the God I serve. But if you've never heard of the Exodus, if you've never read about it, if you've never read about Habakkuk and what God did in his thing, how do you remember that? You can't. So devote yourself to the Word. Know the Word. Know God's story so you can remember it. And the, the Bible is not just for knowing as in in my head. Like I got lots of biblical facts. But it's embracing. That's why in Habakkuk 3, but also Psalm 78, Psalm 105, that's your homework. For those of you who like homework, no, not some of you don't like homework, but others of you are like, yeah, give us some homework. Read chapter, Psalm 78 and 105. These are psalms that take the Exodus event, what God did in Egypt, and, and, and just praise God for that, and it helps give them the, the faith to go into the future and in the present. But, you know, one of the reasons that the church in America, we're so shallow, is that we don't know the word, and so instead of knowing and embracing the hundreds and hundreds of times that God has moved mightily and done amazing things um, for his people, we're limited to just knowing the few things that maybe God did in our life. Now, those things are important, and I'll talk about that in a second, but we have so much more. Again, that God delivered the pe his people out of slavery in Egypt. He did that for us. Like, because we're a part of the people of God. And so, so many times we miss out on the hundreds of times that God has, what God has done because we don't know the word. Know the word so that you can remember the word. Three, it also is important to remember what God does for you personally. That's important. Um, so, even, um, even if we have so much more, we still, it's important to remember those times that God has intervened in your life. And that's why it's so important to, um, to remember, maybe write, when God answers prayer, write that stuff down. Because in a year or two or whatever, you'll be going through a time where you're like, God, I just don't see where you're working. And then you can read, remember, go into your journal or whatever, and it was like, wait a minute, God, you answered that prayer. That wasn't that long ago. That was only six months ago, and I've already forgotten it. So remember it. Write it down, but then also share it. Testify. Because we, we have a community remembrance. We're a part of a community. And so when we remember and testify, it encourages us. There might be some of you here today where you're like, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen God work in my life. And, 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 you're, and you're kind of, uh, yeah, and you're saying, I, I don't understand what God's doing. Well, there's, listen to the testimonies of others. And they will encourage you because then you can say, wait a minute, they're a part of my community. They're a part of the people of God. And so what God does in their life, he does in my life too. And he encourages us. Now we have an illustration of this. Um, Olivia Morales, uh, come on up and grab that microphone right there. Uh, she recently led a missions trip uh, to Iceland. And uh, she's going to testify about what God did there. And, and then I'll... I'll I'll kind of tie it us all back together. So, Olivia, uh, bless us with a testimony. Good morning. Good morning. My voice is a little froggy today. I apologize for that. 
Um, yeah, so as Pastor Joe mentioned, um, part of what I do for my job is I take groups of high school and college students to mission trips to Iceland. And our last mission trip just ended. I came back on Sunday. Um, and I wanted to just share a brief story um, of what happened. So typically what we do before we bring people on these mission trips is we talk with our partners. So we partner with a Salvation Army church in the capital city there. And we just kind of plan out, okay, what kind of activities and things would you like our group to be doing when we're there? And there was one particular activity that neither my boss nor I nor the Salvation Army staff had really prepared in advance for, but the Lord did. Um, and it turned out to be something really special. So one of the things the Salvation Army does is they have a number of refugees and immigrants in, in Iceland. And so they try to provide a lot of resources for these people who are coming for the first time. Many of, um, many of them are either coming from tropical climates um, and or they don't get to take much luggage with them. And so they land in Iceland, which um, is called Iceland for a reason. Um, and they don't have a lot of winter clothing. So um, they were seeing families come in with little babies wrapped in towels because they didn't have jackets or anything for them. And so the Salvation Army had posted on social media asking the community to respond and to bring donations of clothing. And that was back in January. And the community responded, and they got these donations. And then don't you know, a month later, some Instagram influencers heard about this request for donations and spread the word to, like, thousands of people. And all of these clothing donations for little kids came flooding into the Salvation Army. Bags and bags and bags and bags. Now, the Salvation Army has many wonderful staff, but they also have many, many wonderful programs going on. And so this sudden inundation of clothing, they were like, oh my gosh, where are we going to put all of this? How are we going to sort it? What are we going to do? And don't you know who comes three days later? is our group of 18 college students ready to soar and go through all of these clothing. Now it gets really cool because here we are spending hours and hours doing all of this clothing and doing all of this sorting and we kind of get to the spot where we're like, where are we gonna put it? There's not enough room, we can't sort, there's no space. We have clothing racks but we don't have hangers. We really need some hangers. And so we established that we need hangers, but there really wasn't much time for anybody to run out to go to the store. And so we kind of said, okay, well, I guess later we're going to do it. And then the clothes kept coming, and the clothes kept coming, and the clothes kept coming. And don't you know, one of the Salvation Army staff members looks out in the parking lot of the building and sees a giant bag that's sitting out there. He goes out and looks at the bag. And do you know what was in the bag? <laughs> hangers! <laughs> All of them. And... I, I share this story with you today, and I swear to you, I did not have any idea what Pastor Joe was going to be talking about today. But as I reflected on this with my students while I was in Iceland, I said to them, we started planning this mission trip months ago before this war in Ukraine happened. Iceland is scheduled to receive 2,000 immigrants and refugees from Iceland in the coming weeks and months. And these Instagram influencers who reposted this, that happened way after the Salvation Army had requested the clothing. Okay, so the fact that our group was there at the exact week and then this crazy unexpected flood of clothing came in, and the fact that somebody dropped off of this bag of hangers like exactly the day that we needed it, I mean, that is the Lord's timing. And what I said to my students was, when there's war and when there's crazy things in the world going on and when there's suffering, we have got to remember that we have a God who not only provides for our needs, but he sees them in advance and he plans masterfully to make all of these needs be met in very special ways. And that, 
And that is, that is our daddy looking out for us. That is our heavenly father looking out, not just for our needs and not for, um, you know, not for just hangers, but for, you know, people who are suffering and who are in need. So I hope that encourages you today. So. Thank you, Olivia. And I think we have a couple pictures you can stick up there. Yeah, to have those in the, in the background as I finish of things that they were doing there. So, and thank you so much, Olivia, for sharing that. Because, I mean, it's an illustration that, so, you know, those students that, that um, oh, yeah, yeah, show those. Amazing. So those students, right, in, in the months ahead, just because they're, I mean, they're regular people, I'm sure there'll be times when, you know, they don't see God at work much. Well, that's just when they're going to remember this. You know, they're going to remember what God has done. They're going to remember, wait a minute, although I, I don't necessarily see what God's doing right now, I'm remembering how he showed up in this powerful way and just as Olivia said, brought everything together. But it's also important for us, as, as Olivia testified here, and we're also going to have a, um, a Sunday of testimony in a couple of weeks. It's going to be great. But is that maybe there's some of you who you're like, man, I don't see God at work here. I don't see God at work in our nation or whatever. Well, that's why it's so important that we're a part of the people of God from all times and all places. So that even if God doesn't happen to be, or we don't see, he is, but we don't sense him doing anything in us, when others testify of what God is doing throughout the globe, it encourages us to have that faith in the present, even if our world's falling apart, because we know God is bringing things together, and those testimonies, they help us with that. See, it's so hard in our individualistic culture it hinders us from the strength that we can get by being a part of the people of God from all times and all places. That larger memory, that larger memory of what God is doing in Iceland and all sorts of places, that larger memory of what God has done in the people of God in Egypt when he delivered the Israelites. We're so individualistic that if it doesn't happen in a way that I can see and in, in my life directly, we're like, oh, God's not doing anything. No, God is so much bigger. And we miss out on that beautiful encouragement and faith when we acknowledge and embrace what God has done in the past and what he's doing all over the world. The other thing that this helps against is not only our individualism, but there's something about our brains. I don't know what it is. We, we, we will remember the one negative thing, right? You know this. You, someone can give you 100 compliments and one criticism. And what do you remember? The criticism, right? God can do hundreds of amazing things, but then we seem to fixate. And what we, don't, what we remember is that one time that we don't understand what God did. And if, again, we're frank, that we're disappointed, like we're disappointed with God. That's the one thing, remember. And that's why it's so important to know the word, remember the hundreds of things that God has done throughout history because it is your history if you're a part of the people of God. So that instead of just remembering that one bad thing, we remember the hundreds and hundreds of ways in the scripture, in history, in the world that God has worked. And that helps counteract that one thing we just can't seem to get past because it is something we don't understand 
Because it is something that's difficult. And so, yeah, it's not, yes, remember. Remember the past so that it'll help us in the present and in the future. But as I've said, it's really not just remembering. It's embracing, isn't it? It's embracing what God did in the Exodus. As that, No, that's my history. Embracing what God did through Christ and saying, no, no, that's my history. That's, he's done that among my people. And having faith in that same God. No, that's the same, that God who did all those things, that's the God I trust in. That's the God I trust in, not just to have worked in the past, but that's the God I trust in to work in my today. Even, even when I don't understand. And then we can come, like Habakkuk did, he, can, he came to a place of peace and confidence in God. Not in his circumstances. His circumstances were still confusing. The Babylonians were still raging, and they would even rage more later. But no, he comes to a place of trust because he embraces God, his people, his word, and he trusts in that. So yes, remember what God has done for you. But yes, also remember what he's done for his people of all time in an epic way, so much bigger than any one of us. But yet, we're a part of that. Amen? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much that that same, as we sang, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, it lives in us, Lord. Your work is the work that, that you've done throughout history, that you're doing in Iceland, that you're doing all over the world, that you've done, Lord, centuries ago. Lord, that's our history. And I pray right now, Lord, if anyone has not fully embraced you, that they now would, they would embrace you. They would say yes to you. Lord, you would change lives today. Lord, whether it's in this place or it's online, folks would be saying, yes, that's my God. And Lord, then I pray that they would testify to that. And Lord, give us, work in us. There's so many of us, Lord, that we're, we're, we're kind of stuck in our situation and our circumstances. Give us this bigger look. Give us this trust in you and all of your work. And Lord, we thank you and praise uh, and all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.